Hi, I'm David Freudberg, the host of Humankind. I actually grew up in public radio. I've been in the field since I was 16. And from the start, I was taught to offer people content that will inform and enlighten. This podcast is dedicated to spreading ideas that speak to the highest part of our listeners rather than the lowest common denominator. If you like what you hear, we're asking for your help please leave us a kind review on iTunes so others can find us. You can also follow us on Facebook and Twitter. Thanks. Humankind is produced in association with WGBH Boston and supported by the Humankind Program Fund and a special grant from the Henry Luce Foundation. very famous cover of the Pope and his attempted assassin on the front cover of Time magazine and said, why forgive? And in the article, it said, forgiveness is a shrewd and a practical strategy for a person or a nation to pursue because it gives us what we really want, which is personal freedom. Finding the ability to forgive others, because letting go can release the pain of the one who's been hurt. You're listening to Humankind. I'm David Freudberg. As the English poet Alexander Pope observed three centuries ago, To err is human, to forgive divine. And indeed, forgiveness is a highly prized personal virtue in all major spiritual traditions. But a Gallup poll once found that nearly 9 in 10 Americans have trouble forgiving. According to author Robin Kasarjan, who has written on forgiveness, holding on to resentments can take a huge toll. You probably pay the price of living with a level of anxiety clearly hostility, uh, oftentimes depression, um, that may not be necessary. Um, What follows from that for a lot of people are health-related symptoms. The tension in your body, the headaches that might come on, the um, whatever the health implications are for that. So you, you just pay a high price, and it stops you from really being able to be fully present to yourself and to other relationships. So forgiving frees you. Forgiveness frees the forgiver. Robin, I wonder if I could ask you to speak personally. Have you yourself struggled to forgive others? Um, Absolutely. I mean, whether it's minor or major. Major, um, I have been raped twice in my life. One as an undergraduate student in college and once as a graduate student in college. Now, if I did not forgive those people, Now, by forgiving, I'm not saying I condone their behavior. Of course I don't. Uh, I don't in any way imply that there's 
anything about their behavior. I mean, it was, I was terrified. I, you know, had to go through a range of emotions. But by being able to eventually, and, and it's, it's, I think it's a process when you go through a trauma, but by being able to eventually stand back and see, wow, these people were, I would have to say, crazed it, 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 when these incidents happened. Um, obviously, very wounded themselves. By my ability to see that, I, I re- really was able to uh, eventually just let it go. It's ra- you don't forget, but this, the emotional charge on the, when you forgive, the emotional charge is completely different. So I don't think about that in my day-to-day life now or in, and haven't for years. Um, if I held on to the resentment towards these people and wasn't able to let it go, I would have been robbed and kind of emotionally raped for years. You know, I, I went to a, a, a hearing once of a woman who, a parole hearing of a woman who had been raped 25 years before by uh, this particular inmate. And this poor woman, my heart just went out to her. Um, 25 years later, she was a mess. Uh, I felt like she was being re-traumatized by coming to this parole hearing. And because clearly she hadn't been able to work it through emotionally. So for me, that those are, without question, the most dramatic experiences in my life. And I think everybody on it, you can't be in a, in a primary relationship living with somebody day in and day out where you're not forgiving the little things that come up the way, you know, a person shows up or whatever, you know, whether it's them picking their socks up or, you know, whatever it happens or, to be. Or failing. <laughs> or failing. <laughs> So obviously I'm struck by that uh, story you just related, and I thank you so much for your honesty in sharing that. How does one do the inner work to take something as traumatizing, as painful, as shocking, Mm -hmm. as awful as that kind of experience and turn it into, I've let it go and I've forgiven the person? Mm -hmm. That, That sounds like quite a long-distance run to do? Mm-hmm. Well, first of all, I would certainly encourage somebody to get professional help if that situation happened to them. I think it's really critical. But, you know, for me, uh, David, and I have really committed myself for the last 35 years to embracing a spiritual discipline in my life. And for me, that was meditation reading books that inspired me of all different natures, not just one spiritual path, but a, a, a kind of a wide view spoke to me. And um, so over the years, it, it, I just came to that part of myself that realized that 
you know, I'm not my body. I'm not my emotions. I have them. I need to honor them as part of being a human being. I see, as I said, these people as really desperate individuals. Um, honestly, I have prayed for their healing. Tell me about that. Well, if you know somebody is hurting, if it's clear to you, and no one does something like that that isn't hurting, uh, to me, extending uh, prayer for their healing. I mean, really, I want the healing of the planet, the healing of everyone. It's not like I want to see somebody suffer. And if I have that mentality where I want to see other people suffer, what I know is that I'm going to suffer for having that attitude. There's going to be a part of me that isn't alive, that it, it, where my heart is closed. Robert Kasarjan is author of Forgiveness, A Bold Choice for a Peaceful Heart. She points out many people misunderstand forgiveness. If we interpret it to mean excusing someone's bad behavior, that can make it pretty hard to forgive, especially if the perpetrator has abused, has betrayed, or has been dishonest. But forgiveness, she says, mainly helps the person who's been wronged. And says Robin, forgiveness is not the same as pretending everything's just fine when you feel it isn't. There was a great article in Time magazine years ago. It was a very famous cover of the Pope and his attempted assassin on the front cover of Time magazine. And it said, why forgive? And in the article, it said, forgiveness is a shrewd and a practical strategy for a person or a nation to pursue. Shrewd. Shrewd. A shrewd and a practical strategy. Now, most of us think of forgiveness as some kind of spiritual ideal. And it's saying shrewd. It's a choice. It's a decision. And it's one that we may really need to work on and need help processing. Um, but it's shrewd and practical because it gives us what we really want, which is personal freedom. I think that really at the bottom line, we all want to feel free. We all want to be happy. We all want to be peaceful. And forgiveness is a means towards that for ourselves. Some people feel an impulse to forgive occasionally goes too far. What about in the case of injustice, when vulnerable people are persecuted or abused? Should we just forgive and forget? But, says Robin Kasarjian, if our response to injustice is blind rage, it could backfire, eliciting the kind of resistance that blocks progress. And if all we can do is accuse others, she says, they are more likely to shut down than open up. And there's another characteristic when finding fault is one-sided. Do you think that if I hold on to blaming someone else, that I am conveniently not looking at my own mistakes, my own infractions, uh, my own limitations? Well, 
if we get something out of holding on to resentment and we don't really look at that and acknowledge that, then consciously or unconsciously, there's a stake in holding on to the resentment. For instance, um, it gives me a feeling of being powerful and, and in control. Sort of props me up. It props me up. Now, that may be a very creative response to the moment, that this is the way I'm going to set my boundaries by holding on to that anger and resentment and making taking my stand. And that may be the way I need to do it at a certain point. At a certain point, however, if, you know, a year later, two years later, I'm still having to be angry and resentful to set my boundaries, it becomes the law of diminishing return. How can I learn now? How can I learn to set boundaries and take a stand and be fully in myself without having to have that anger and resentment to do it? How can I set those boundaries by virtue of being in touch with my own true power rather than having the anger and resentment be the thing that is empowering me at that moment? So there, there are so many, and, and uh, I just I get to control others with my anger and resentment. If you're angry enough, you are probably playing a game where you're controlling other people. Uh, It's a way to assert that you're right. It's a way to make others feel guilty. It's a way to, and I think this addresses what you were mentioning, avoid the feelings that are underneath the anger. Because if I stay out in the anger, anger is a superficial feeling. Under that, I'm feeling vulnerable, I'm feeling hurt, I'm feeling shame, I'm feeling, you know, could be any one of many feelings. I'm certainly feeling frightened. Um, so we need to really look at, okay, what is what are the feelings that I'm feeling underneath the anger? And by holding on to resentment, I get to, as you say, I get to n- not take responsibility for my own feelings I get to blame the other person for how miserable I am. I'm better than they are. I get to have a sense of self-righteousness. You know, you know, they're wrong and I'm right. Well, at some level, they may be wrong and you may be right. But by holding on to that stance um, and not seeing it in a deeper way, then you diminish yourself ultimately, you know, in time in that process. What a powerful insight that anger is a superficial feeling. Of course, Mm -hmm. speaking personally, if I am consumed in a moment of anger, it doesn't feel superficial at all. It feels like everything. But in fact, you're saying that anger is covering up lots of other things that may be hidden at that moment, but that are actually driving my reaction. That's right. And I don't mean to trivialize in any way, shape, or form Uh, the potency of our genuine anger, but there's more to us than that, and there are more feelings going on simultaneously, and sometimes when we open to that and see, maybe for some people, it's much more, one has to feel much more vulnerable to feel the hurt and the disappointment than to feel the anger. Or maybe we don't really want to look at how frightened we are. So we're just going to feel the anger. Uh, 
as a way of avoiding acknowledging where we're really at. Right, right. Talking with Robin Kasarjian, executive director of the Lionheart Foundation, he tries to bring what she calls emotional literacy to people in difficult circumstances, prisoners, at-risk youth, and teenage mothers. Her well-known book, Forgiveness, A Bold Choice for a Peaceful Heart, was one of the first publications to explore the many aspects of how people can let go of resentments. You're listening to Humankind. I'm David Freudberg. For more information on this segment, The Practice of Forgiveness with Robin Kasarjan, please visit humanmedia.org. So much of my work over the last number of years has been done in the prison system. And um, the prison population, you don't end up there because you're a high-functioning individual. You usually end up there because you're really a very wounded individual and you're using drugs to numb out your woundedness. Or When people begin to engage with forgiveness, uh, there is a, a transformation that happens that allows them to heal in a very deep way. I, lo- I love, uh, there's, there's a, a, a book called Making Good, How Ex-Convicts Reform and Rebuild Their Lives. What they saw about the people that were no longer participating in crime is that they had a fundamental shift in their own self-identity. Something very fundamental. I love the way one teenage girl put it that we were working with when we said, well, what if your friends asked you to go into CVS and rob it? And she said, I would say to them, no, that ain't me no more. That, that's the kind of fundamental shift I, I'm talking about, where it's just not you anymore. And I think when people, it's not just forgiveness, like with the prison population, but it, it, it's, it's more fundamentally that alignment with that part of ourselves that can see more clearly, that can open up, because so many of the people that we work with in prison come from very dysfunctional homes. And when they begin to see that uh, the things that have influenced them begin to be able to forgive the people in their lives, knowing that you know, they, that, they, that they aren't bad people having done bad things, that, that, that they're fundamentally good people having done bad things because of the impact of the, their histories and can begin to forgive their parents and the situations they came from and themselves, there's something that begins to shift in them that's truly fundamental, that it really is that ain't me no more. And that's the kind of thing that's going to get people to be able to be successful when they get out of prison, or even if they're, unfortunately, the growing number of people with life without parole sentences, you know, even finding some meaning even behind the walls. 
So I, I just think that forgiveness becomes an overall empowering experience for people where it kind of, when they really embrace it, helps them to get back in touch with that part of themselves. It seems paradoxical that the people who society has deemed the offenders mm -hmm. need to be forgiving others for their own personal reconstruction, their own uh, healing. Well, it's in that healing that they then become able to really take responsibility for what they have done in the havoc and the chaos they've created in their own lives. As they develop more compassion and understanding for themselves, they're able to take much greater responsibility for what they've done. Otherwise, their own hearts are kind of hardened, and they're lost in being a victim. And I mean, people go to prison, they see themselves as the victim. They don't see the people that they've hurt as the victim. But as they grow, then they can begin to really have compassion and understanding and begin to take the responsibility that's absolutely critical for them to take in order to truly heal. considered how becoming entrenched in the cycle of feeling hurt, getting angry, and harboring grudges can emotionally trap the person who believes they've been wrong. And of course, there's another side to this transaction, the person who's done wrong, a position all of us who are human find ourselves in time and again. Let me ask about the impact on a person who has wronged another and who is then forgiven by the person they've wronged. What happens to us when we are forgiven for something that we have done? Well, I think enormous burden is lifted from us. And I think very often we really feel liberated, humanized. I mean, that's an incredible gift that we give to somebody. And again, it doesn't mean that we don't express our hurt and our anger and our, you know, all, all of what that person's action has implied for us in our own life. But when somebody is able to offer forgiveness, um, it's, it's just an, a priceless gift that we give to other people. You think it brings the people together? Well, one of the distinctions I always make when I talk about forgiveness is that for, forgiveness and reconciliation are not the same thing. It takes two to reconcile. It takes one to forgive. I mean, you can, you can forgive somebody who has died, or you can hold on to resentment towards somebody who has died. Now, you're not going to be able to reconcile in, with that person in, in your life, um, However, that person can have a very negative impact on you 10 years after they've died if you're still holding on to that resentment. Or, again, you can, you know, become kind of liberated by that experience of forgiving. And I do want to say also um, that being forgiven can be, as, as I said, a very, very liberating uh, experience. 
But it's also very important to not let your whole life be ruled by somebody who isn't capable of forgiving you. So if you have done something and really feel the appropriate remorse and the necessary remorse and regret, and you have really taken every step you can to make reparations and, and take full responsibility for what you've done, but that person is not willing to forgive you, I would say simply pray for that person's own health and, and, and happiness. Allow them to have their own process and, um, and, and move on with your life. What is your advice to anyone who feels really stuck in holding on to a resentment? I would say get support, whether that support is read some books on forgiveness. There are many of them out there. Um, if you feel really stuck, you may want to go to a counselor or a therapist, although I must say it's very important to choose a counselor or therapist who really understands the virtue of forgiveness. Because there could be many counselors out there that will help you get in touch with your anger and maybe that's where it kind of stops. Um, somebody who really sees the virtue of it and can give you some actual guidance in the ability to forgive. Um, so I would say get, get help and, and do things. What do you do for yourself on a daily basis that helps you to relax, to align with that part of yourself that is the witness? Um, pray for your own healing. You know, pray to be able to release that anger and resentment. But you may need to really do some processing around it to fully own it and acknowledge it and learn Again, if you have a secondary uh, gain of holding on to resentment to set boundaries, well, you really need to learn how to set boundaries because otherwise it's that anger that may be protecting you, and that's a, a wise thing if that's the only way you know how to set the boundaries. So I would say, you know, it depends on where you're at, but get, get support if you need it. Have you ever heard the term radical forgiveness? Radical forgiveness for me is, as Dr. Jerry Jampolsky, who's written a lot about forgiveness, says, forgiveness is seeing the light instead of the lampshade in people. Now, I don't see it so much as seeing the light instead of the lampshade. I see the lampshade as, if it's there. You know, I see if a person's being manipulative or fear-based or whatever. But to me, radical forgiveness is that ability to see the light, the core self, the fundamental goodness in all human beings, and, um, and then to go forth from, from that place. By forgiving, we release the past. Forgiveness is a gift that we give to ourselves. Robin Kasarjian author of Forgiveness, A Bold Choice for a Peaceful Heart, and his 
Houses of Healing. Her work of teaching emotional literacy to prisoners, teenage moms, and youth at risk is performed through the Lionheart Foundation in Boston. Humankind, I'm David Freudberg. Studio recording by Antonio Oliart Rose. Editorial assistance from Mark Kilstein, Thomas Royal, and Kathy Graham. Webmaster Brian K. Johnson. Special thanks to Tony Buck. Our program is presented by Human Media in association with Connie Goldman Productions. Program development provided by Shart Media. To purchase a CD copy of this program, please call 1-800-5-LISTEN. That's 1-800-5-L-I-S-T-E-N. Or visit our website where you can also obtain an audio download of this and our other programs and can hear selected episodes free. You can access free written materials related to this program as well. Our web address is humanmedia.org. Again, if you'd like to purchase a CD copy of Humankind by phone, please call 1-800-5-LISTEN, and our web address is humanmedia.org. This segment, part two of The Practice of Forgiveness with Robin Kasargian, is Humankind program number 205. The executive producer is David Freudberg. This is Humankind. To hear more episodes of Humankind, you can subscribe to our free podcast on iTunes, Stitcher, or your preferred podcast player. A new episode each week. The podcast title is Humankind on Public Radio. And if you enjoy this program, be sure to leave us a kind review at iTunes and Stitcher. If you want to support the program, please visit humanmedia.org. And at the top of the homepage, click on How You Can Help. Again, our web address is humanmedia.org. Thanks.